All right, and good morning. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. It's raining outside, by the way, so it's really good to be in here and not out there. I, I have to tell you something. I got up here, and, uh, you know, I, we just love to tease Brent about being on time. Yeah, he's trying. That's not his. Being on time is not Brent's spiritual gift. Okay, yeah. But, but then I saw this, and I have to put, call your attention to it. This is a note from my wife, Judy, who's in charge of the trip. And it says, OCC trip Tuesday, drive off 5.30 a.m., Judy. Brent, that is 4 a.m. for you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so good to be back with you guys and laughing and having a good time and looking forward to worship. It's really awesome. We had a great time on our trip. I'm the guy, and you probably may not know this, but I'm a guy who just doesn't go see my family. I love them. Just, you know... <laughs> I got better ways to use my vacation, frankly, uh, than run down there and visit all these people. But anyway, so this time I said, Gene, you know what? We'll just do this. And you know what? I had the best time. We visited all but one of my siblings and all of her siblings, had a big dinner, and it was just really, really good to be with family. And I want you to know something. It's good to be with this family today. So God bless you guys. Thank you for coming. We're excited. And we start a brand new series um, today. Um, The series title is All I Want for Christmas is You. Now, several years in the past, I don't think last year we did Advent, but I used to have a thing. In fact, the sign always said, in fact, still says songs, song of Christmas or songs of Christmas. And I would take a song and I would build a sermon series around that. Well, this year, I just didn't have one coming to mind. And there's a song, a secular song, entitled, I bet you can figure it out, All I Want for Christmas is You. And uh, so that's just one of my favorite songs. In fact, it's a cultural favorite song. Uh, It went diamond last year, which is like the highest level of popularity. Um, And again, no endorsement of Mariah Carey, but boy, it's just a really, really good Christmas song. And, And again, the title said it all. Well, I'm sitting there, you know, saying, God, what do you want me to preach on in December? Is there a song? And in about that time, this popped in my brain. All I want for Christmas is you. Now, she's talking about, it's a beautiful, it's a bubblegum, you'd love it. It's a bubblegum love song, okay? And she's saying all that she wants for Christmas is, is her husband or her boyfriend, whatever it is. And so, so this popped in my brain. I said, Lord, all I want for Christmas is you. You know, Jesus, all I want for Christmas is you. And, you know, and we, we all say this, you know, we talk about, you know, Jesus is the reason um, for the season and to keep Jesus at the center of Christmas. And boy, I said, that is exactly what that says. So over the next three weeks plus Christmas Eve, we're going to look at this song and we're going to take and, and build the gospel around the four lines. Uh, Nance, go and throw those things up there. Um, these are the four lines that our sermon is going to be based on. And I won't say much about them today. Um, I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. That's week one. I don't care about the presents. Boy, don't care about the presents under the tree. I don't know if I could say that honestly. But anyway, I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. That's week number two. I just want you for my own more than I could ever show. That's week three. And make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is you. And that's going to be Christmas Eve. So that's where we're going over the next four weeks. And as I looked at those, you know, thoughts from the Bible appeared in my mind. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at very familiar but powerful truths about uh, Jesus, about our relationship with him, um, and about Christmas. But today we're going to look at, I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. Now, I don't know you, have you ever had, you know, I'm sure all of y'all at one point or another had, I want 
Christmas. You know, I want this for Christmas. I want this for Christmas. And probably even you said to your wife or you, you said to your parents, you know, this is the one thing. I just need, I just need one thing for Christmas, okay? I remember when I was like 10 years old, um, you know, I actually wrote a, a, an ad, if you will, an article. I'm seems to write articles even when I was 10 years old. That article, and I, for some reason, I went through the Christmas wish list thing, you know, the book, the Sears and Montgomery Ward or Pennies, whichever one it was, and, and I saw a chemistry step, Brent. And, and again, keep in mind, um, I couldn't even spell chemistry, okay? I never took chemistry, all right? But the thought at 10 years old of being able to mix things together and cause something to happen to this 10-year-old was very attractive. So I wrote a note to a letter, article to my mom and dad saying, world-famous chemist invites cure for something. I don't remember what it was. And, and it must have worked because I got the chemistry set for Christmas. And sure enough, even with that benign Christmas uh, chemistry set, you could put things together that cause fire and cause smoke. It was really kind of cool. And, and guess what? It stuck with me because, again, I didn't take chemistry in high school, but I did chemistry. You see, I worked as a, as a helper maintenance guy at an apartment complex. And, of course, they had a pool. And, and the dude that worked with me was the maintenance guy's son. So we would get in trouble occasionally. And so we were in the pool thing one day, and we decided and asked ourselves, what would happen if you mixed these things together? You know what happens? Fire. Fire. We mi- and I don't, even, Brent, I don't even know what it was. But I started mixing it. You know, we poured these two things together, and it started simmering. And then it just literally exploded in fire. I can see it to this day. The fire just exploded straight up into the air and scorched the ceiling. And it did not good things to our eyes. I mean, it was, I'm wondering I'm not blind. I mean, it really was a bad, bad situation. But again, the, the intriguement of, you know, gee, what would happen if I did this caused me to do something that wasn't wise. I thought I wanted and needed a chemistry step, but I really didn't. It probably would have been better if I'd got a model airplane um, instead. Now, here's the deal. Maybe you want something for Christmas, and maybe you think you need something for Christmas, but here's the good news. Our Heavenly Father knows exactly what we need for Christmas. And he provided that. Um, you, you know, if you're listening on Facebook, watch on Facebook or listen on the radio. And, and in, in this room, we want to talk about the, the wonder and excitement of the gift that God gave us at Christmas. Because, see, God never gets it wrong. You know, we know James says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. We got that, but God never got it wrong. He knew what we needed for Christmas. And so when he planned Christmas and when he originated Christmas... He gave us just what we needed. Paul describes it this way in 2 Corinthians 9.15. It says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The God, God that determined that we need a Savior, the gift was so incredible that when Paul was writing this in the Bible, he could not find the right words. Um, in fact, that word in the Greek, that, that word we translate indescribable, literally means, are you ready? Beyond words. 
beyond words. I did some thing on Google and checked it out. And, you know, Jesus spoke mostly in Aramaic uh, Greek, okay? That was the common man's Greek back then. And there are only 20, 24 letters in the Greek alphabet. Okay, I should be 22 letters and in the common Greek today, there's 24 letters. And of course, we've got 26, but even with 26 letters, we cannot describe just how wonderful Jesus is. And God cared enough about me and God cared enough about you to give us his son for Christmas. I want to tell you a story today. It's a common story. It's one you may probably won't know, but I hope that if you're one, if you've heard it before, that this will be a cause for you to remember. It'll be a cause for you to remember when Jesus did something huge in your life when he saved your soul. And maybe you're from Facebook or the radio or maybe in this room, perhaps you've never experienced this great Christmas gift that God gave us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our story is found in Luke chapter 5. And before we jump in right to where we are on the page, um, let me give you a little background. Um, Jesus was going to have a little talking time, a little, little get-together, okay? And tradition says, strong tradition says, that they decided to meet in Peter's house. Okay, so traditionally, Jesus shows up at Peter's house. And when people found out that Jesus was there, all these folks started showing up. There was the everyday people like, you know, like most of us, just everyday folks who showed up. But here's the deal. Just like just like the scribes and Pharisees dressed down John, they wanted to check out this new rabbi because he was just getting started good. They wanted to find out what he was about. And if necessary, they were going to dress him down, too. And so Bunches of them showed up. In fact, the verse in Luke chapter 5 says this. From all the villages, from all the villages uh, in Galilee and the area around, these scribes and Pharisees came. So it wasn't just a few coming from Jerusalem. It was all these different villages. The scribes and the Pharisees showed up to check out Jesus and, if necessary, correct him and dress him down. Well, word got out that Jesus was there. And so people flocked and soon the house was filled to overflowing. And that's where we pick up our verse uh, 18 and 19a. The Bible says some men, and we don't know. It's like, it's like the um, wise man. You know, traditionally, when you hear this story, you'll hear the preacher say something like four men. We don't know. It could have been two. It certainly wasn't one because it's men. But it may, have been, it may have been two. It may have been three. It may have been six. We don't know. But the amazing part is that these men cared enough about this guy to get him to Jesus. And that's pretty incredible. We have no evidence that they're related. It's just they saw this guy. This guy, would, this guy would lay beside the road and beg for alms. You know, that's all he, all he could do. And so apparently these guys saw him and said, you know, I think we know somebody who could help this guy. So they load up this paralyzed guy and bring him to Jesus. Now, this is really good. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a broken or on a sleeping mat. And this is, this is us. You see, just like he was broken physically... And he was broken spiritually, so are all of us, or so all of us were. Because see, the Bible's going, we're going to read the Bible today, how every person is a sinner and every person is broken. So they saw this broken man laying on this sleeping mat. And the extent, I like this, the extent of that mat was the extent of his world. His world was limited. His world was limited. It was limited because he couldn't move in any way. So, so his mat was as far as his world went. And, and not only that, his dis- disease defined his world. His world was hopeless. 
He could not see a fix. There was no doctor that was going to fix those legs. There was no doctor that was going to fix those eyes. He was broken and his world was limited. Maybe like us. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're on Facebook. Maybe you're in this room. And you're going, you know what? My world is broken. My world is broken. There's an addiction. Um, uh, there's, there, there's hatred. There's bitterness. There are things, there are things that own me. Own me. And, and my, no matter how hard I've tried to forgive, and no matter how hard I've tried to, to not be addicted, no matter how hard I've tried not to look at the website, I just can't stop. And I'm limited. And my world is limited. And my world seems hopeless. So they take this guy, these people. They take this guy and they carry him, okay, to see Jesus. But look what it says. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. Now, there's a good teaching point for you, okay? So they show up at the house and the doorway is blocked. The windows are blocked. There are people everywhere. Front row seats, I'm sure, are these scribes and Pharisees there to dress down Jesus. They're all there. And they can't get him inside because of the crowd. This is for us. The church crowd. The church crowd. The the people like me and you. But maybe in the church crowd, there might be... See, the Pharisees were famous. The Pharisees were professional law people. And they only knew the law. The Pharisees kept the law. I mean, they kept a chest bliss. This, check, that, check. I mean, they were really good at keeping the law. Well, they were there. And, and, the, and the scribes were the ones who knew the law. So, so these guys did more. And, and these guys knew more. And then the rest of the people were just ordinary people. We should never, never, never be a hindrance to the broken crowd out there. Now, you're hearing this. Are you wondering why you're hearing this a lot? Are you wondering why? Because there's a challenge coming. I keep telling people that I really feel like there's a a tipping point in culture. And I honestly believe that culture is going to get so sour and so sour that people are going to give up on what they're doing and look for something different. And that something different, I believe, is Jesus Christ. So, so, so when the broken crowd shows up at the door, we, we don't want to be a hindrance to them. No matter how they look or how they smell or, or whatever, we don't want to be a hindrance. Instead, we want to be a welcome committee that says, y'all come. Y'all come. Now, I promise you, the dude didn't get that reception in, in the sleeping mat. He wouldn't have got that, ever got that reception. But we want to make sure when the broken people come to our church that they're welcome. And we're going to get, just like we are today, we're going to share the gospel plain and simple. And some of them are going to take it. Some of them are going to receive it. And it's going to be a great time of revival for us. Well, anyway, so our teaching point, our our Luke chapter 5, verse 19b, okay? So, they couldn't get into the building. And I love this, that they didn't give up. Hey, church, don't give up on lost people. Don't give up on the broken people. Don't give up. Your neighbor, your friend, your brother, your sister, your children, don't give up on them. Yeah, they're being misled by the world right now, but don't give up on them because God is greater than this world. So so they went up to the roof. Now, remember, this is Peter. I can just hear Peter. Why are they tearing up my roof? I can just hear Peter saying this. And some 
We might be tempted to say, and why are these people tearing up our church? I don't know. I don't know. But they went up to the roof and they took off some of the tiles. And then they lowered this, this broken guy, this sick guy, on his mat. So they lower the man with his world, okay, um, right down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Wow. This is so cool. Because if they could have got into the house, they may have got a back row seat. But as it was, the man is lowered right in front of Jesus. That is so good and so powerful. So, so they get there, all right? And then I'm sure Jesus disappointed them. So here's this guy. He's laying there, okay? And here's what Jesus says to them. He says, seeing their faith, and by the way, I personally feel like however many people there were doing the lowering, it's their faith, but I'm not so sure it wasn't the dude's faith too. And the reason I say that is because, one, they had enough faith to take him to Jesus, but he had enough faith to be carried to Jesus. Going up the ladder to the roof could not be fun. Being lowered down through a hole in the roof can't be much fun either. But he allowed himself to be carried and lowered, and they cared enough to carry him. So, so then seeing their faith, here's what Jesus says to the man. Young man, young man, your sins are forgiven. And I just know, I just know the dudes, the carrying dudes were going, no, 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 Jesus. No, no, no. Legs, Jesus. Hands that don't work, Jesus. That's why we brought him to you. Okay? And the people in the group, the normal people, okay, were going like, we wanted to see a miracle. We didn't want to hear a sermon about forgiveness. We wanted to see a miracle. And the scribes and Pharisees, they got fired up because they're going to eventually say, who in the world does he think he is that he's at the authority to forgive sins? So this was not a good, this is a disappointment. Why did Jesus not address the legs? Why did Jesus not address the paralyzed arms if they were in fact paralyzed? The reason why is the man's greatest need was not a physical healing. It was a spiritual healing. Now, here's what you need to know. I know often with God... We sit there and say, well, God, I want this. And we think we had this, we'd be happy. If we had this, our world would be better. And what we don't understand is God's this and our this is not the same usually. But God knows what we need. God knows what you need. Hey, Facebook friend, God knows what you need. Hey, radio listener, God knows what you need. And what you need is a Savior. What you need is your sins forgiven. Far greater than any other thing you could name, you need a Savior. You need someone who forgives your sins. Now, our teaching point is this. Sometimes the obvious is not so obvious. Do you remember that? Two weeks ago, we talked about Paul and Silas in jail. Remember that story? And, and remember there's a great earthquake and the chains came loose and the doors fell open and the prison was shaking to its foundation. And the obvious thing was, let's get out of here. But it wasn't God's obvious thing. God's obvious thing was for the jailer to be saved. So this might not seem right to you because you're going, no, 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 no. His body's broken. And God says, no, no, no. You don't know because, yes, his body's broken, but soul is his soul. So is his soul. So like the psalm says, there is just one thing I need. 
I'm going to tell you this. The one thing you need this Christmas is Jesus. Now, let me explain that. If you're here today, and perhaps you can identify with the paralyzed guy, your world is broken, you're, you're covered, you're, you're just drowning in guilt and shame in your life. I know someone who can take care of that. And that name is Jesus Christ. He can remove your guilt and remove your shame because of his sacrificial death on Roman cross. He can do that for you. But let me say this also. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, your greatest need for Christmas is still a Savior. See, Jesus wasn't just a one... (laughs) He wasn't a one-time deal as your Savior. He's your Savior day after day after day after day after day. He's a Savior that's constant in work in your life. So, so this Christmas, this Christmas, your greatest need is Jesus. Whether you're meeting for the first time or you wake up every day as his child. Okay? You know, he may, the man may have wanted to walk, but he needed a Savior. And I don't know what it is in your life. If I had a better job, if I had a better Husband or wife, <laughs> had better kids, have had better parents. I don't know what you think you need, but God knows what you do need, and that something is Jesus. Now, now the reason the reason God sent this Savior is because the sin problem was so big, was so big. And and again, this is a good. This is where it gets common. This is where it gets common. Oh, I know this story. I'll check out and think how the chicken's going to be at Kentucky fried today. Don't check out. Don't check out. See, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it says that the wages or the payment of sin is death. Is death. And that death is eternal separation from God. Um, Not for a crispy critter second in hell, but forever and ever and ever and ever. And then, and, then, and then you go the rest of your life trying to do life by yourself without the help of God. So, so this wages thing, what we've earned of sin is this thing called death. And it's, it's so difficult. It is so hard. Listen to Romans 3.10. Read these with me. Now this, is, this was, for those of you who've been Jesus friends a long time, you've been Jesus followers forever, this is a great reminder Okay, for those of you who are hearing this for the first time and starting to make sense, this is great for you today. All right, this is our this is our spiritual resume before Jesus. Okay, I'm going to remind you what you were before Jesus, and if you're here today and don't know Jesus, I'm going to tell you your life right now. Okay, I'm going to go. Ooh, I can see what's going on in your life. Okay, first off, here's what Paul said in Romans three ten. As it is written in the Old Testament, as a matter of fact, as it is written. There is no one. Now, someone say no one. Now, did you get that? No matter how often you go to church, no matter how good you are, no matter how many you give, no, no matter how good you keep the rules, no matter how good you see yourself, there is no one righteous. We all miss the mark. All have sinned, Paul said. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous. Not even one. Not even your grandma. And she was so saintly, you thought. She needed Jesus. 
The best person you know needs Jesus. You may be a really moral person, but you need Jesus. Okay? So, so there, there's no one righteous. I want, hey, hey, Paul said, there is no one who understands. You know, apart from God's work in our lives, we don't get this whole salvation deal. See, that's, that's what you don't understand about your lost friends. You are so angry and frustrated with culture. Okay, can I ask you a question? And boy, they didn't get this in first service. If you go out and find a wild dog and bring it to your house and he proceeds to wet on your floor, why are you going to be mad at the dog for? The dog's just doing what wild dogs do. Culture is simply being culture. We want the culture to act Christian when they're not Christians, Brent. We should not get frustrated with them. We should understand. Go back before you met Jesus. And remember how you were. Okay? So, so there's no one who understands. Hey, there's not anybody who seeks God. Don't get mad because culture's not running after God. Okay? See, see, being saved is not you finding God. It's God finding you. See, it's God finding you. So, so what we need to do is we've got to live the, the gospel out before them and open their eyes so they can see God. Mm, I like this. They see God chasing after them. Do you remember the story about the sheep and there were 99 plus one and one wanders off? You know, the, the, the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes and chases down this one. We, we serve a chasing God. We, you know, Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. So, so we make sure we're, we're demonstrating the, the gospel to a culture, okay? But it's God who pulls people to himself. It's God who pulls people to themselves. Uh, there's no one who sees God. All have turned away. Just like that sheep. All have turned away. All alike have become, ooh, this is a hard word, worthless. Worthless. It, we got nothing to bring to the table with God. Nothing to bring to the table. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. And that's, that's one. Before Jesus, that's who we were. And, and if you're here today without Jesus, that's who you are today, spiritually. Spiritually. And God knew that and loved you enough to send His Son, Jesus Christ. So, our teaching point is this. So, like it or not, because that's, that's offensive, okay? When, when God says, without Jesus, you're worthless, that's offensive, Okay, so like it or not, believe it or not. There's an old song that used to say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. No, 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 no. God said it, that settles it. Whether we believe it or not, God, God said it, that settles it. So, so like it or not, believe it or not, the word is crystal clear. The Bible is crystal clear. Outside the gospel, he was and we are hopelessly lost. Depraved and separated from God. That's what you were before Jesus. And that's what that frustrating neighbor is who doesn't know Jesus. Hopelessly lost, depraved, and separated from God. And the only hope, Dave, is the gospel. The only hope is the gospel. And that's why, that's why God sent this Savior to us. And this is where... The second part of 623 is just incredible. You're going to be seeing the word gift a lot in the coming weeks. In Romans 623, he says, the gift of God. Somebody say gift. I, I love gifts. 
I love gifts. Um, someone sent us some flowers this weekend, and they were delivered on Saturday when we got home. And, and you know what's amazing? The florist didn't go, that will be so much money. That will be $27.95. You know, oh, can I have your credit card? No, it was a gift. It was free. It was a statement of love. And the gift of God is free. The gift of God is a statement of love. The gift of God is eternal life. How? In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not by keeping rules and not by joining a church and not by being baptized. The free gift comes through Jesus Christ. Now, I know, that's, I know you know that, but, but could you get a little excited about it? Just go back to the day you met Jesus. Go back, to the day when the, go back to the day when the shame was about to drown you. Go back when the guilt was pulling you down. Go back to your life when it was so hopeless and helpless. And then God gave you a gift. And that gift was eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our Lord, how incredibly powerful is that? You see, you see, it's an incredible act. It's an incredible act of grace and mercy. It's an incredible act of grace and mercy. God offers the gift of eternal life to any man, any woman, any child who is willing to repent and believe. This is so big. Because it has nothing to do with, with race or skin color or economic status. It doesn't matter where you live in the world. Okay? God offers, God offers, God offers this eternal life to any man, woman, and child. That's incredible. See, see, if you're here today, and again, you've never experienced this, this gift, you need to know something. You're not beyond God's grace. Now, by the way, would you please remember that? If you're here today and you know Jesus and you think you messed up so bad, God can never keep loving you. He does. He does. He, he's not gonna, he will never, never, never give up on you. He, he loves you. He loves you. But he offers this gift to any person who's willing to repent, any person who's willing to turn away from their sin. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, John 17, 3 is great. Because I know, I know what we do, don't we? We trust, we trust Jesus. We, re, we believe that God forgave our sins. And it's almost like we think God says, good luck. You'll be okay. Oh, oh, don't forget. And, and there is heaven. Well, aren't you glad there's heaven? Aren't you glad there's heaven? I'm glad this is not all there is. But we missed something. Look what Jesus says. This is eternal life. It's more than heaven. This is eternal life. That they, me and you, may know you, the one true God, that we may know God, and the one you have sent, and that is Jesus Christ. Eternal life doesn't start in heaven. Eternal life starts the moment you trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And you've got a friend who walks with you through this life, through all the diff- through all the COVIDs, through all the political mess, through all that, through all whatever's going on in your life. You know, cancer, illness. You've got a friend who walks with you because he started eternal life. Today you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Now listen, now listen, it gets better because one day we are going to quit breathing or one day the rapture is going to happen and then we go to heaven. But that's just another phase of eternal life. You got a deal. You got the best gift 
ever. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God. You see that word know? Oh, I like that word know. You know what that know word means? K-N-O-W? Intimately. I know it's difficult for people. But it's so close. You know, when, when, when Paul wrote the words, Abba, Father, when Jesus spoke the words, Abba, Father, it was so close to dearest daddy. And I know that offends some of you. You cannot imagine being able to call creator God, dearest daddy. But that is very, very close to what Abba, Father means. Dearest Father. Dearest. Isn't that incredible? And that you may, you may know creator God with that level of intimacy. You, you may know Jesus Christ, his son, with that level of intimacy. And that's why he's the greatest, greatest gift. Well, we got to continue on, okay? So, so Paul says, Paul, and this is a transition. Paul said, um, go one more down there, Nancy, please, to the teaching point. To the teaching point. There we go. She's good for me. She, she watches me. Look here. Now, this is important. This, and the reason I'm including this this morning is I want you to see the transition. Okay? The transition. With a new birth comes new life. When you're saved, you get this new life. Um, as Paul explains it, if anyone is in Christ, whoever trusts Christ, um, he is a new creation. The old, the old has passed away and see the new has come. So, so here's the setup. So when Jesus says in this group of people, young man, your sins are forgiven you. Well, the Pharisees who do more and the scribes who know more got all fired up and they said, who does this man think he is? Who is this blasphemer that claims he can forgive sins on earth? No one can forgive sins but God. Oh, they were fired up. Well, the problem is, when you hang around Jesus, he has this unique ability to read your mind. So he knew what they were thinking. So he kind of says this. This is Dwayne Taylor translation. He said, he said, so why are you thinking these things? Don't you know that the Son of Man has the ability to forgive sins? He said, but, but so you can know, that so you can know, I'm going to do something different. So in Luke 5, 24, but so you, can, you Pharisees may know that the Son of Man has authority. Somebody say authority. That's a command. That's a command. Authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man. Now, this man's already been drug up a ladder and dropped down in front of Jesus. He tell, and then he got, your sins are forgiven. And he's going, forgiven. I'm sure that's important, but I, don't, I can't walk. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. This is faith. Get up. Take your broken world with you. Your limited, hopeless world. Roll it up. Take it with you. And I want you to go home. Go home. See, see the, the Pharisees were in this mental war with Jesus. Okay? And in the process of all of that, the man got what he needed. His sins forgiven. But he also got what he wanted to be able to walk. So Jesus says, pick up that old bed of yours. And I want you to get up, roll it up, and take it home. And you know what he did? It's so good. Verse 25. Immediately. 
Now remember, see, you really got to appreciate this. The legs have not worked for years, maybe decades. So all of a sudden, something happened. Maybe here, he feels it. Immediately, he got up. And got before them. He picked up what he had been lying on, his world, his mat, and he went home. What's he doing? Glorifying God. I'm going to tell you something. Those people that you've given up on, you get Jesus in their heart, and they're going to glorify God. Jesus is a culture changer, I'm telling you. Jesus is a culture changer. So, so he gets up, rolls up his sleeping mat, his, his old world, and takes it with him. Because the old world, that man is a symbol of who he was, not who he is. So he said, why did you just leave it there? Oh, there's a plan. Because see, he walks out the building, and somebody says, Joe, Joe, is that you? Man, I thought you were crippled. You couldn't walk. He goes, oh, <laughs> But I met Jesus. <laughs> I met Jesus, and he changed everything. Well, Joe, why are you carrying that old mat around? Oh, it just reminds me of what Jesus did for me. See, see, don't dwell on your past. Don't dwell on the junk in the past. But at the same time, remember it because it reminds you of the power of Jesus Christ to change your life. You are not what you were. You are what you is. And it's all, wasn't that good? All because of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm telling you, this is big news. This is why, this is why the song is so important. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. And whether you're here today without Jesus, there's just one thing you need. And whether you've known him for years, there's still just one thing you need. And his name is Jesus. We close our service every time with the time of the decision. But I want to be even clearer. This is the time of invitation. It includes our Facebook friends. It includes the folks on the radio. You know, we want to invite you to receive Jesus Christ as Savior today. Just like he spoke to that man, your sins are forgiven. He wants to speak those words to you today. And just like he changed the world of that man, he can change your world today. The team's going to come up. Brother Brent will be standing down front. We're going to sing a song. And that song is your invitation to come and say, I want to know about this man named Jesus Christ. I want to know about the great, the, the gift That is beyond words. The gift that is beyond words. I want to know about that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the privilege of sharing this great truth. Teach us, Father, during this time of Christmas season that all that really matters is you. If a friend here today or on Facebook or on the radio, Lord, they've never received this gift, may today be the day that they open their heart to you as you pull them and draw them uh, to yourself. Father, for those of us who know Jesus already, during this Christmas season, help us not to lose you in the process. Help us remember that we need you every day. You were our Savior. You are our Savior. And for all eternity, you will be our Savior. So speak to hearts. Draw men, women, and children to yourself and draw us who know you closer to you. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.